welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, as one went out to sow, and it happened, as he sowed, that some seed fell, on, uh, fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it did not have depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no roots, it withered away. And some seed fell among tongues, and the, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crops. But other seed fell on good grounds and yielded a, yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, some and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said, To you it, it has been given to know the mystery of the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So Seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn, turn, and their sins be forgiven them. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? It's interesting that all the other parables are connected to this. So that this is like an important parable. If you don't understand it, it will affect how you'll be able to take or receive the other parables. That's very interesting. So this parable is essential, how you understand the way the word of God works. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. Let's all say that together. One more time, please. Say it for the last time loud. So the sower sows the word. Initially, he said a sower went to sow seeds. Okay, it says that a sower went out to sow. Um, so, and it talks about some seed fell by the wayside. So, the word, the Bible says the word. The sower went to sow. What he went to sow is the word. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. All right. So, where is Satan? He's just around the corner. What's he doing? He's waiting for the word to be sown. And afterwards, what does he do? He's coming immediately. All right. Now, Satan comes immediately to, to, comes immediately to take away the word that was sown. What's he going to do with the word? He just has to prevent you, stop you, stop the word from having roots in your life. Because that's how God, you see, so can you imagine someone is doing deliverance for you and there's no word? Satan's problem is not um, how to get demons to attack you. His problem is how to stop you from receiving God's word. Because everything starts with God's word. So if he can stop you from receiving God's word, the, 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 the way Satan got Adam and Eve, is he went, so he went and said, did God really say, don't eat this? And Eve said, God said, we may not eat. Genesis chapter 3. God said, we may not eat of this fruit. And then you know what Satan said? Satan said, the woman said, God said, we may not eat this, lest we die. And then Satan said, no, that's not true. 
Um, no, that's not true. Because if you, if God knows that the very day you eat it, you become like him. Genesis chapter 3, I think it's not part of my notes, but I need to show you this. Because Satan fears the word. He hates the word. As long as he can keep you away from the word. If he has to increase your pay and give you more opportunity, job opportunities for you to stay away from the word, he doesn't mind. Or well, verse 1, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 uh, said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree? You see, he questioned God's word. Look at verse 2. And then he said, the woman said to, they said, we may eat. God said, don't eat. He didn't say you may. He said, don't eat. The woman said to Satan, the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. The, the next verse, but the, the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall, okay, you shall not eat it. No, shall, you shall not. Then the serpent, watch this. Then the serpent said, you will, you will surely not die. The woman said, God said, if we eat it, we will die. The serpent said, you will not die. He was challenging God's word. He said, try, come on, go ahead and see. And did you see the interpretation slapped on it? Go to the next verse. For God knows that in the, in the day you eat of, the, <laughs> of it, your eyes will open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, guess what? That's, that's our destination. Our destination is not knowing good and evil. Our destination is to be... God, God created us in his image. All right. He created us. So our destination is to pass this exam so that we shall be fully like him. So when Adam and Eve failed, Jesus had to come to restore us to that image. Not the image that was destroyed, but the original image, the original state would have been in had we, had we passed the, the test of the satanic temple. Do you understand that? That's why Jesus said, okay, I'm coming to pass the test myself. And he passed the test and he passed the result. As many of us who believe in him. So once you believe in him, guess what? You are better than Adam. So the criteria is to believe in Jesus and then you, begin, you get the status Adam should have gotten which he didn't get and fell and kept us all under satanic bondage. You see, so when you are born again in Christ, you see, you are, you are better than someone who needs deliverance. You are way above. Like originally like God. Thank you very much, says. So he says that you shall surely not die. Adam challenged God's word right there. He says, for, for God knows that when you eat this, you'll be like him. He doesn't want you to be like him. How many of us have, have some similar challenges, especially in your finances with God? Or someone is trying to get your money. Someone is, no, that's the devil talking to you. Because he will slap a different interpretation to your obedience to God. That if you disobey God, it's better, than, it's better for you. Because obeying God, someone, you never know. <laughs> so he told them, if you eat it, God knows you'll be like him. And God doesn't want you to be like him. So the woman took it and ate it. So Satan always comes after the word. So back to the text we are reading in Mark chapter 4 and verse 15. And these are the ones that by the wayside, the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. He doesn't waste time. Because if he wastes a little bit of time, it will be good for him. He comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in where? In their hearts. The word in their hearts. Now, these likewise, verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness 
and they have no roots in themselves, and so endures only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for their word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among tongues. They are the ones who hear the word. And the curse of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones who, uh, was one sown on good grounds, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Hallelujah. So from the text we have read, you can see that there are four grounds. What's the first one you saw? Ground number one is wayside. What's the second one? Stony. In some version, in actually in, uh, in Luke, Luke's account, he calls it rock. So it fell on the rock. Not just a stony ground, on the rock. And what's the third one? Thorny. Thorny ground. It fell among thorns. And what's the fourth one? Good soil. Now, I established the other time that, in effect, there are two types of soil. One on which, the one type is the seeds grow and bear fruit, and the other category is where the seeds don't grow and bear fruits. So one is fruitful, and the other one is fruitless. The other category, which is fruitless, is divided into three. Now, my assignment today is to help us to see which kind of heart that we, we, um, we are likely to demonstrate in receiving the word. So, so it will either bear fruit or not bear fruit. We want to see how we stay away from a, a fruitless heart. So in effect, they are, we have to look at the characteristics of these negative soils, fruitless soils or fruitless hearts, fruitless grounds, and see how we will stay away from these tendencies. Because and then look at the characteristics of the good soil and see how we will rather exhibit and, and demonstrate that characteristics. Amen. Amen. Now, the second thing I want to establish here is that the seed, the problem is not with the seed. Let's just say that together. Why? Because the seed is the word. The problem is not with the seed because the seed is the word. Let's all say the seed is the word. The seed is the In Luke chapter 8 verse 11, it says that the seed is the word. Now the parable of the word, the seed, the seed is the word. Let's all say that together. Please say it out loud. All right, so the seed is the word. All right, so there's no problem with God, what God has said. Satan has a problem with the word. Do you know why? Because there's no problem with the word. So he, he doesn't want anything that is faultless to find roots in your life. So that as, as, as long as your defense systems are not good, he can continue to steal, kill, and destroy anything in your life. Praise the Lord. So one... The problem is not with the seed. And I also discovered that there actually is not so much the soil. Because the soil will have the same nutrients, 
that will support germination. But the certain conditions in the soil that have changed the fruitfulness of the soil. Does that make sense? Now, that's what we want to look at. So, number one, what's the first one? The first one, the first soil is the wayside type of soil or type of ground. Can someone tell me what are some of the characteristics of a wayside soil? Wayside. So long as seed and germination is concerned. Wayside. Shallow. Shallow, okay. Dry. It's not prepared for germination or plants. Yes, that's a good one, yes. What did you say? Exposed. It's not covered. Exposed. Exposed. That is actually one of the things that the scriptures make us to understand. Very. These are all very uh, true, uh, true of the characteristics of the wayside. It's unkept. Things really, anybody at all walks anywhere, walks there, and, you know, when someone is behind, you can stand by the wayside for them to pass. So the wayside is actually not a, a place. There's not a place to, to sow because it's exposed. Anybody at all can step on it. It's not, it's not, it's not a demarcated area for um, cultivation. All right. So a wayside soil is not a conducive soil for germination. Now let's look at it again in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 from verse 12. I saw something that really, really got my attention. Luke chapter 8, verse 12. Verse 12 says that those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Say we hear. So the hearing is not a problem. The hearing is similar to sowing. So guess what? Jesus is sowing through my speaking. So sowing process is going on right now. Because we all hear. So all of us, when we hear, when what you, what you hear is going straight into your heart. Because he's talking, the grounds is the heart. So what you hear is not just your, it enters your heart. But the condition of your heart is what determines whether it will bear fruit or not. So Bible talks about verse 12 again. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil, who is the same as Satan, okay? Another name for Satan is the devil. He said, so the devil comes and takes away the word out where? From your heart. So when you hear, they heard it. It went into their heart. But the devil comes to take away the word from their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, I was trying to study on that word saved there, believing and be saved. On one hand, it can mean actual salvation into heaven. On the other hand, to save something means to deliver something to rescue something, to help. So the word is sent into your help to help you, into your life to help you. Maybe it's sent into your life to deliver you from marital crisis, to deliver you from financial coma, to deliver you from health challenges. So the word is sent into your life to save you so that you will not become a laughing stock. But depending on the nature of your heart, the word... The nature of your heart will determine whether the word can save you or not. But I, I was thinking, so why did Satan come for the word? Because he fell on the wayside. So actually, think about this. What constitutes the word falling on the wayside of your heart? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Because we are all hearing now. So now, how do you know? We can't say that. It is, it's, it's later on we find out birds on the fruits. 
But now the heart condition is there. Whether it's a wayside heart condition or it's the rocky, or it's, it's there. That's what we we're there. So now let's find out what kind of heart do you, may you be in now. Or may a person be in now that will constitute wayside so that by the time I finish preaching, Satan will come for the word. Because you know what? Hey, thank you, Jesus. Now, whilst I'm preaching and whilst you are hearing the word, Satan is trying to check, okay, which one is a wayside? He knows. Now, how do you know you're a wayside? And what makes a, a, a heart wayside heart? I found out in Matthew. Mark didn't address it. Luke didn't address it. But Matthew chapter 13 addressed it. Particularly verse 19. But it's appropriate to start from verse 18. Matthew chapter, chapter 13, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. You see the same thing? All right. Just to let you know, it's the same thing we're talking about. Parable of the sower. Can I do a little bit of theological teaching here? One minute. One minute. Okay, this, this is not so vital for the teaching. But you never know it will help someone. There is something theologians call synoptic gospels. Synoptic. Let's all say it together. One more time. Synoptic. Say synoptic. Synoptic simply is like synonym. What's synonym? The same. So sin. Anything that starts with sin. Synchronize. Sync your computer. Sin. Try and get things to become the same. Synonym. So okay. So synoptic gospels are the gospels that are similar in the stories they tell. Now there are four gospels. We have, what's the first one? Matthew, huh? Mark, Luke, John. All right. Some people wonder what's that. It's, they are called gospels. They are biography of Jesus Christ. What are gospels? They only talk about Jesus' life, his birth, his human living, and human death. So human birth, human living, human death. The things he did whilst he was alive. If you want to know about what Jesus did when he was born from his birth to death and ascension, the Gospels tell you about that, okay? And so we have the synoptic Gospels. There are three. They they tell a similar story. So the Matthew account, Mark account, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. They are synoptic Gospels. Whilst John, being a Gospel as well, says, talks about stories that Matthew, Mark, Luke sometimes don't touch. For instance, this parable of the stoa, you can tell, it's in, we read it first in Mark, now we are in Luke, and I'm referring to Matthew. They all talk about it. It does not mean they all talk about everything one talks about, but most of the things they, tell, they talk about, they repeat it. This one will tell his version, this one will tell his version, this one will tell his version, just like the newspapers. Similar stories, but from different angles, sometimes, or other times, same. Same stories repeated. All right. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, what type of Gospels are they? Synoptic, Synoptic Gospels. Wonder, you are wonderful students. Amen. That's just for theological, so that anytime we have a theologian here and he says that I want to teach you Synoptic Gospel, it doesn't sound strange to you. Amen. Amen. So we have these uh, Gospels. So now let's look at Matthew's account of the parable of the sower. Does that make sense? Matthew chapter, that's what I, Matthew chapter 13 verse 18, but look at verse 19, you'll find something interesting there. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, I like the kingdom, word of the kingdom, say the word of the kingdom, and he kept saying kingdom, 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 kingdom actually means rulership, God's authority, all right, the word, um, the words of the kingdom, and that, watch this, anyone who hears, who is hearing, all right, anyone, so how many of us are hearing? Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, you are a wayside. 
aside. That is why when you come to church, you don't have to let things distract you or sleep. Because you end up becoming a wayside. Satan has seen, ah, that's one, okay. Demons, take note of this one. <laughs> because you are wayside and does not understand it. Then, did you see that? Then the wicked one. Now, we have found three different terms used for Satan. One is Satan. The other one is what? Devil. Now, the wicked one. This is good, good studies. This is good studies. You are getting it. So, then the wicked one means Satan comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. These are the ones who we see by the wayside. So if you don't want to be a wayside, you don't let anything distract you. That is why when Paul was praying for them in Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 16, 17, 18, he says that I pray for you, put it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, he says that I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What is the kind of prayer I was praying for you? Look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus, who is the Father of glory, will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Watch this. Verse, verse, uh, verse, the next verse. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. You can't afford not to know. So the things you know will define, will determine how well and how far you can go in God. You know, many people are familiar with church, but they don't know a lot so long as God's word is concerned. May I say this? That is why it's important who teaches you God's word. Because if someone is teaching you God's word and he himself doesn't even know what he's teaching, then Satan got you. It's true. But on a more serious note, the word is being issued out. There are people here who won't get it. Not because it's not understandable. First of all, it's supposed to be understandable. It's supposed to be understandable so someone it can make sense to someone. Someone can understand what God's word is saying. And so, but some people too, they will be distracted from how many of you know. That's why sometimes, uh, more, or most, more often than not, it's always better to go and hear the word again. Because when you hear it once, sometimes you can miss another. Maybe you, you got something. Maybe you heard something about um, some, some breakthrough or, or um, um, okay, I, said, I just said, that's why it's good to have a good teacher. Then all of a sudden, your brother who was arguing with you that it doesn't matter what church you go, it's the same God. They started thinking about him. Meanwhile, I've finished saying that I've moved on and now I'm saying something else. But your mind is on your brother and your uh, conversation. So the next thing I may say, you miss it. Because we are all human beings. So, but later when you are listening to the word, again, through any media, then you realize, oh, he said I didn't get that. But when you add all these pieces together, it makes the, the message whole and complete and much more, as, uh, uh, you, you are able to assimilate it well. And it stays in your system. That is what it means that the word has entered. Now, so wayside is so simple. Who are the waysides? Those who hear the word and don't understand it. So when you are listening to God's word, make sure. When Satan tries to distract you, tell the devil, you can't make a wayside after me. You can't make a wayside out of me. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, the next one is, so how do you avoid being that kind of a soil? Make sure that you give your rapt attention to God's word and make sure you are understanding what is being said. Amen. The second one is the rock. Let's say the rock. Back to Luke chapter 8 verse 13. The problem with the rock is 
Verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Do you see that? They hear, receive it with joy. The first one, they heard the word, but did not understand it. Second one, they hear it and receive it with joy. They are the ones who shout the hallelujah. It's all the process of receiving the word. Say amen. The process of receiving, you know, sometimes I, I don't know of you, but there are times you, you are in church, you are hearing something, mm, ah, hallelujah, you feel like screaming. But depending on where you find out, sometimes you want to be very calm and gentle. But thank God for this church, you can just feel free and scream, Yes, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 So, 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 so you receive the word, okay, with joy. Something enters your spirit. I got it. I got it. I see. That's, you understand it. it. It gets into your system. So you receive the word. So I remember when I was talking about what you do with the word, you have to receive it. This one talks about receiving with joy because you feel a miracle is coming. You feel a breakthrough is coming. You feel your eye has been opened. Something that has, has been kept away from you, suddenly your eyes are open. It says that receive with joy. And these have no roots. Who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Say a while. Now, those type of people, you can't immediately tell the condition of the heart until after was when temptation comes. I like the way Matthew or Mark puts it. He said, when temptation arises for the word's sake, that same word you are running with, some challenges will come. Some difficult times will come. You decide that now. How many of you? You see, see, anytime you come to church and hear the word of God, this is what I like about God's word. It helps you to make a decision. Anytime God visits a person, as I've been saying, anytime God visits anybody, he leaves them with a responsibility. And about several years ago, I discovered when we talk about a successful prayer, a prayer that is successful is the prayer which changes you, not just changes situation. Does that make sense? It changes you. So you go and pray. I don't know how many of you have been in that situation before. You go somewhere or you come to church or you're, you are praying, you're praying. By the time you finish praying, maybe you're, we are even actually intending to go and fight and deal with someone. By the time you finish praying, you know what? It's not worth it. Jesus, have your way. I let go. That is successful prayer. That successful prayer will change you. A successful prayer will change the disposition of your heart. A successful prayer will impact you. In the same way, anytime anyone has an encounter with God, the charismatics have been made to feel that when you have an encounter with God, the next thing is you are going to get money in the, in the next morning, money in your bank. The next thing is you are going to see, uh, uh, you are going to have a new car. Those things are good. They are just the fruits. The fruits of, a, uh, of an impartation from God, which, but the root is when you have an impartation with God or an encounter with God, it begins to affect your behavior. Every time there is a revival, there is a move of God. Most of the time, people say, can you imagine, as soon as you hit the altar, oh God, God will always convict you of a sin in your life. God will always talk to you about something in your life that is not. Because his blessing you is not a problem. It's the things in your life that will choke. I told you the other time, storms. Stones, rocks, they are, they are little sins in our lives. They spoil the, the fruitfulness of God's word. And so here he says that the one who received the word with joy, but in the time of temptation, fall away. 
Bible talks about how the suns, when the sun came up, the sun that is supposed to make the crop germinate well and flourish, because they don't have roots to be tapping into the nutrients from the soil, to pass it on for photosynthesis, am I right? For photosynthesis to take place. Because they don't have roots, they are not able to pull nutrients from the soil. And because of that, the sun that is supposed to help photosynthesis, the sun ends up scorching the plant and the plant dies because they don't have roots. Now, when you hear the word you receive it with joy, what, what you are supposed to do is you come to this determination. I'll show you in the good soil. You come to this determination that I'm going to hold on to God's word. Once God says it is true, come high water or low water, come rain or shine, doesn't matter what happens, I am going to die believing. I prefer die believing than to live in unbelief. That you have made up your mind. You have made up your mind. You have made up your mind. You receive the word and then when persecution arises, how many of us have seen persecution before because of a word you are obeying? Maybe someone has been offending you or someone has been taking advantage of you and you decide, you know, I'm going to be a Christian. I won't fight back. And then they are taking advantage of you and even doing it more. Something is going to rise up against you because you have decided to believe. Someone may even take advantage of you because you have decided to be a believer. Someone, because you forgave him, he's doing it again, or she's doing it again. Because does that mean you shouldn't forgive? No, you have to. See, what I'm trying to say is that persecution may arise because of the word. I don't know how many of you have decided to sow seeds to God, and then after a, a week or two or three, after things become very bad. Hello? Yeah. And you feel, but God. Their sister came to share a testimony that she gave everything, and the next day, Miracles, money she didn't expect. Me, I've given everything. And this is three weeks now, they are kicking me out of my house. God, where are you? And he concluded that this whole thing doesn't work. I won't give again. I won't give my tithe again. Persecution arose or arise for the word's sake. And because people don't have roots. Let me show you the characteristics of people who don't have roots. They do things not because they are convinced in God's word, but they do things because they see others doing it. They see others doing it. They say, oh, okay. Well, let me just copy them. So there are some people. If their friend tells you, your friend tells you, I'm not going to church on Wednesday. That's when you won't go. You too, you won't go. You stay. Oh, why, why? Uh-huh. We just, I, just, I don't know. Your friend doesn't want to go to church, so you too, you won't go. See, because you know why? The word has not taken roots. So you are, you are not operating on your own fuel. You are operating on borrowed fuel from somebody. But I see good hearts here. You see, can you imagine? These are the things that will make the word not bear fruits. It's interesting. The word is sown to bear fruits and save somebody. But why is it that we all keep hearing, but not all of us keep having the testimony? Because all of us don't have the same heart condition. But I pray that anything that will deny you your blessings, anything that will deny you your blessings, God will, will help you stay away from it in the name of Jesus. So the stony and the rocky place, you see, characteristic of rocks is that uh, it's hard. You can't develop roots on rocks. You can't develop roots on rocks. And so the word um, withers away or the fruits and the word does not. But the third one, which is very serious, the thorns. What's the third soil? The thorns. One more time. One more time. All right. Let's look at the verse 
14 again in Luke chapter 8. Verse 14 says, Now the ones that fell among thongs are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with what? Three things. What are the three things that choke the word? One more time. Listen, there's nothing wrong with care. There's nothing wrong with riches. I don't know if you know that. If you don't know that, it's not good. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with riches. There's nothing wrong with cares. And there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong uh, with pleasure, enjoyment. As long as it is not contrary to God's word. As long as it's not contrary to God's word, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. But there are certain places, once you expose yourself to, it, it makes some things grow up in you. That will not help you. So it's not everywhere you find me. I will never go to some places. I will never. I don't want anything from there. I will never go. You see, the, see, the problem is sometimes it's very easy to think you are very strong. If you haven't realized how unstrong you are, then you are, you are, you are very vulnerable. <laughs> you are very... F- Tell someone, I'm not that strong. Can I ask a question? How many of you have discovered that you are not that strong? It's just, it's that church you are coming that is helping you. Haven't you realized how when we are doing the fasting, you feel very good and strong? After the fasting, two weeks later, where have you been? What went wrong? Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, it says that, um, it talks about how we should, it said, exalt one another, how, how often? How often? Exalt one another daily. Why? Why? Let's any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So you, you're going to church. It's not to help your pastor. <laughs> it's just to help yourself. Other than that, your heart will become hardened. No, you don't have to make it hard. It will become. It will, it will become. It will just automatically become hard after some time. Hardened and it becomes like rock. God's word doesn't even work on it. God can get it, get you. Hardiness of heart. Hardiness of, one of the reasons for hardiness of heart is lack of fellowship and exhortation. That's why we are trying to break it down in neighborhood meetings so that your brothers and sisters within your locality, your area, will know you can exalt one another easily. When you are down, you can you have someone to call on and to encourage you because you need exhortation, exalting one another. He says, what is, do it daily. Other than that, lest any of you become hardened by what? Deceitfulness. Sin is deceitful. If you haven't discovered that, then uh, I'm sorry for you. You'll find out later. Sin is deceitful. Sin promises you something which really it will offer. It will tell you. You know, just, just move in with him. He will end up marrying you. So you move in and he kicks you out. Sin is deceitful. The devil told Eve, you just eat it. It is nice. You'll be like God. And she ate it. That's why you and I, 
It's called deceitfulness of sin. And so when you come together, when we come together in church, in fellowships, you, you hearing the word of God is actually helping to texturize your heart. It makes it soft, well, well, well prepared for God's, for God's blessings to flow in your life. Right? Bible says that three things, cares of the world, riches, and, and pleasures. Go to Mark. Mark instead. Mark chapter 4 verse 19. Mark chapter 4 verse um, 19. It says, and the cares of this, verse 8, let's say, these are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, see, hear the word. Apart from um, the ones who did not receive it, these ones, they hear the word. The first one, the one Satan comes to see, they also hear the word. Okay, so these are the ones who hear the word. And the curse of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Did you see that? The other one said riches. This one said deceitfulness of riches. If I can have extra money, my life will be better. If I can get this, if I can get more money, if I can get, if I can buy this car, if I can buy this house, if I can do this, if I can buy this dress, then my chances will increase. But the point is, sometimes these things, the devil, the deceitfulness of riches, if you can have more money, if you can have more of this, life will be better. It's not true. Riches really don't guarantee life. Do you know that it's probably better God hasn't given you all that riches now? Because some of us, that job, that money will take you out of church. When people come and stand before me, Pastor, you know what? I I want God to bless me. I want to have a lot of money so I'll be doing things for God. I'll buy church buildings. And anytime people talk that way, I look at them, I know wealth is deceiving you. Don't you you talk about these, these things like that. We will know by your commitment to the world. You see, if you love God, it's not only your money that speaks so. Your, your attitude towards the thing. Now, if God knows if you give him one million, it's likely 900,000 will go into church. I'm telling you, God knows it. Much of what comes into my hands goes into God's work. Because I am a church addict. I love the things of God. What do we, what do we mean by care? Cares of this world. Your phone bills. Your rent. Right, your credit card bills, if you've got one, your mortgage repayment, your loan, you know, student's loan repayment. These are necessary cares. Some of, some of us have a party to attend next week, wedding to attend. You already began thinking. <laughs> the shoe, my shoe. Listen, the shoe you're wearing, there's nothing wrong with it. No, no, but I'm planning to wear a red dress. So I need a red shoe to match it. What's it called? Cares of this world. Is there anything wrong with it? No. But these things can choke God's word because they, they become, you become concerned. They, 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 they engage your thinking. You can be preoccupied. Preoccupied. Your knees will then expose you to the cares of this world because you need something so bad. You need to buy this shoe for your daughter's first birthday or third birthday, your son's eighth birthday, or the school is about to reopen and you need to buy some uniforms and you are thinking and thinking and thinking. Let alone when your washing machine breaks down. Or winter is about to come and your boiler... You know what I'm talking about? Suddenly, the cares of this world. 
the cares of this world. And so, it's not negative, but those things have the propensity to choke. Bible uses the word. They choke the word from bearing fruits. Because you are so concerned. You are so concerned that when God is speaking to you, you receive it, but after you leave, after you leave, because it fell among tongues. The word was about to bear fruits. But your care, the things that are bothering you on your mind, choke and stifle, suffocates the word. Suffocates it, chokes it. And the word is not able to bear fruits. The cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches. Sometimes you finish school with this brother and now you are looking at him, he's driving a BMW. And you look at your old punto. And you, you feel, Why? So, why don't you cut your coat according to your side? Brothers and sisters, particularly ladies here, if it's your turn, if it's your turn to have your wedding, when your turn to have your wedding comes, please, don't bite more than you can chew. We, 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 we will not applaud you. We will not applaud you. Why? Why are you trying to do a fairy tale wedding? But who are you? Why? Why? Think about it. No, if you are if if you are a princess, you don't have to say too much. Just don't pray. It's obvious. Now the point I'm making is that the point I'm making is that you 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 you're earning. You don't have money. You are you're struggling. You are trying, and God is helping you. All right. And all of a sudden, you want to have a wedding near. Want to want to hire rent a hall around Buckingham Palace, you know, and. The bride, the bride is going to be flown in by helicopter. Ah, what's that? What's your problem? S- seven limousines. What's your problem? That shoe is okay. You look good in it, okay? You look good in it. Don't, oh, everybody is changing their shoes. And so what? Wear your own. Possibly no one has even noticed. No one has actually noticed that your shoe is the same. Every, every two weeks, you have to do this. Hey, but, but, but I'm not saying don't do it. If you can afford it, it's okay. But some of it, it's really not necessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of it is not necessary. Some of it is not necessary. So don't change. Unless, obviously, it looks, you know, you just want to keep yourself to the glory of God, to, to look like presentable. And so, so the, the deceitfulness of riches. Is affecting the word. Some of us, the reason why the word you've received, the prophetic word you've received, hasn't borne fruit is because you have been so concerned about your shirt, your suit, your hair, your makeup, to the standard. The deceitful of riches has choked the word because you are looking at something else. And then he says, the deceitfulness of riches and what? Pleasures. Some of the parties you don't have to go. So start, don't go. Some of the parties they are inviting you, some of the um, outing is not necessary. You are going out with some people, go and sit down and eat. By the time you finish, you've come back a sinner. You may not even do some things, but your mind has been so polluted. Some of the movies, you don't have to go and watch it. Pleasures, pleasures. Some things don't click it. Don't click it on your computer because you click, it's leading you somewhere. You don't want it, but you, (laughs) you end up there. By the time you finish, oh, God. Uh, what was Pastor even preaching about at that time? He gave me a word I don't remember. It's, it's not even, it's something that can be in your consciousness, but your heart has been polluted. And so the thing chokes the word from germinating. It starts from the heart. Someone receiving something. Yeah. 
Now, the word that, the good, the good soil, let me show you just two characteristics of the good soil. In um, Mark chapter, um, all right, let's, the same place. Let's, let's, let me look at it quickly. Where are we now? Mark or Luke? Okay, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. But the ones that, f- that fell on the good grounds are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience, patience. They keep it and bear fruit with noble heart. Keep the word and bear fruit. It takes time. It takes time. What God has said will happen, but it takes time. Your healing is coming. It takes time. Your husband is coming. It takes time. Your wife is coming. It takes time. Your financial breakthrough is coming. It takes time. Your career breakthrough is coming. It takes time. Your opening heavens is coming. It takes time. Bible says in the book of Mark 4, 26, it says that the kingdom of God is like a man takes a seed and plants it and goes to sleep day and night, doesn't know what's happening, but with time, the, 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 one day it comes and it's beginning to spring up. And barefoots. So sometimes leave the word, receive it, keep it, and leave it to work in your heart. It takes time to bear fruits. It takes time with patience. Be pa- patience meaning keeping your eyes on what God has said and holding on to it. You hold on to it. Hold on to it. Listen, all wedding venues haven't finished. There are still more. In fact, nicer ones are yet to be developed and built. So don't, don't say my time is, your time is not going anywhere. Watch this. As long as you're holding on to God's word, your time is not going anywhere. Amen. Your time is not going. Bible said in his time, he makes all things beautiful. In his time, he makes all things beautiful. God will do it for you. So keep the word and let it bear fruit with patience. Keep the word. It takes patience to bear fruits. It takes patience. It takes time. Mark chapter 4, verse 30 downwards. It says the same thing. The kingdom of God is like a man who sows a seed. Yeah. It says it's like a, the, the master seed, the smallest among all, but once it's sown. So you can easily marginalize, ignore the things of God. Because God has said, me, let me find my way. Patience. 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 Keep the word and with patience it will bear fruits. Keep the word and with patience it will bear fruits. Did somebody receive something? Hallelujah! Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. When God speaks, works show. And the works will surely show in your life. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.